This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 9.20 a.m. You are listening to The Morning Run with Shazana and Xiaoning. If we take a quick look at the FBM KLCI, it's currently 0.1% down, uh, standing at 1,453 points. But let's take a look at the outlier in the Asia-Pacific. So far, 2023 appears to be the year for North Asia, with the Japanese, Korean and Chinese markets outperforming on a year-to-date basis. Much of this driven by optimism of China's reopening and their respect respective weak currencies. Stronger corporate earnings compared to other developed markets and a better domestic economy add to the attractiveness of these markets. But then, what does this mean for Singapore, which was the outperformer in 2022? Will the fund flow that has shifted north likely to return? And what will be the catalyst for a market that has been flat on a year-to-date basis? For more thoughts on this, we speak to Thilan Vikramasinghe, Head of Research for Singapore and Head of Regional Financials at Maybank Investment Bank. Thilan, good morning. Thanks as always for joining us today. Let's start with um, an overview of the banking sector results. Singapore banks released their results last month. DBS did better. Better than expected, but OCBC and UOB were below street expectations. What explains this divergence? Morning, and thanks for having me on. Um, so you're right. Uh, DBS delivered a very strong above expectation result. Uh, UOB had to incorporate some of their integration costs from their city acquisitions as well as some stamp duties. So if you actually strip those out, UOB also delivered a better than expected result. Uh, on the other hand, OCBC missed largely because of their insurance operation, Great Eastern. Uh, they had quite a lot of uh, unrealized mark-to-market losses when they were incorporating the inverted yield curve. There was also some losses on the investment securities. Having said that, the core banking operations were still actually quite strong for them as well. Okay, but all banks seem to have benefited from the higher, higher interest rates that we saw, but did see declines in fee income due to slower wealth management and capital market activity. What do you think will be happening in the coming quarters? Will this trend continue? Mm. So fee income coming off was not really a surprise, especially in the fourth quarter where it tends to be a bit weak seasonally. But as you said, uh, wealth management was weak um, as uh, market conditions are volatile and uh, a lot of clients are sitting on the sideline. Uh, Having said that, one of the things that we saw was for all three banks, wealth management AUM inflows was actually quite strong, even in the fourth quarter. Uh, A lot of that is still sitting on deposits, but if market conditions start to stabilize and we have a bit more clarity on what the central banks are going to do, uh, you you should start to see some of these wealth management clients, uh, you know, taking on more risk and generating more uh, more fees for the banks. Uh, But timing is hard to tell. Mm. Uh, Most likely, we're looking at probably a second half inflection for that though. What about asset quality, Thielen? Are you concerned about that? Yeah, so that's one of the key concerns that I have. I mean, you know, you can't, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You've got, uh, you know, high inflation, interest rates going up. So that is going to have some squeeze, uh, especially on some of the smaller companies. So that's something that we are watching out very, very closely. But on the other hand, uh, a lot of these banks are carrying very high provision levels as well as very high uh, capital levels as well. So there is quite a bit of buffer built in. So what would be your call for the sector then, uh, Tilan, and your top picks? So one of the key trends we saw with the sector is that all banks, all the three banks were increasing their dividends. So that kind of brings the overall yields for these uh, banks higher. We also think that net interest margins can stay higher for longer. Uh, and I think uh, China reopening is also a tailwind for them. 
so I think it's important to remain invested in the Singapore banks. Uh, our top pick is DPS, largely given the very strong franchise that they have, uh, the upside to margins as well as their gearing to North Asia. Okay, so Singapore outperformed ASEAN markets last year, but do you see this repeating itself in 2023? Because so far, indications are no. North Asia seems to see the strong fund inflow. Yeah, so I mean, I think Singapore will still be, um, you know, it'll still be resilient within the ASEAN context. Uh, so we we still remain quite positive on the market. I mean, it's it's held up well through the pandemic, Russia, Ukraine, uh, supply chain disruptions. Um, and one of the key things that you also see is that, uh, and we've, we've got a few quarters of uh, evidence of this now, is that a lot of the sectors uh, have displayed at least a partial ability to pass on higher costs and also their balance sheets have low gearing. So, you know, the interest cost uh, side also has some shielding. And we also see five key catalysts for the market going into this year. Uh, the first is uh, GLC restructuring and value unlocking. We saw that with Capital Land, Semcorp, Keppel, and we think that there'll be a lot more to come. Uh, increasing demand for ESG investments. I think Singapore offers a lot of, uh, you know, investment opportunities there. Uh, supply chain relocations from North Asia to Southeast Asia. Just because China is open, we don't think that's going to stop. I think it's going to actually accelerate and Singapore will benefit as a financial hub. COVID resilience, um, if we have additional waves coming, we've got one of the, uh, the, the most vaccinated population in the world. And we also see Singapore companies going overseas to do M&A. Uh, we saw that with UOB, DBS, SATs. We think there'll be more of that coming through. And then I think also you need to take into account China reopening Regionally, within the Southeast Asian context, Singapore is one of the most sensitive to China's economic recovery. Um, and then also, if you look at historically, Singapore tends to outperform global equities when interest rates rise. Um, I think central banks, if you look at where inflation is, uh, central banks are not really done uh, in terms of raising rates. And I think that will also be uh, a key sort of tailwind for Singapore. So we, we, we remain overweight. Uh, on the market. Dylan, thank you very much for speaking with us. That was Dylan Vikramasinghe, Head of Research and Head of Regional Financials at Maybank Investment Bank Singapore, giving us his take on the outlook for Singaporean equities. It's 9.29, but before we head into the news, we do have a message for you. Recently, Good Day Milk concluded Malaysia's biggest kidpreneur program, Good Day Kid Start. This program encouraged children to kickstart their business dreams while nurturing financial literacy and entrepreneurship. Tune in to Open for Business today at 10am as we speak to 10 year old winner Fatima Bashira, who was awarded 20,000 ringgit for her stroke recovery software, and runner-up Ong Junzak, who was awarded 10,000 ringgit to commercialize his coconut extractor. After the news bulletin, we have WTF, What's the Focus? Our weekly roundup show. Stay tuned to BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.